0: morning. So we are continuing in our series on psalms. Uh, If you've been with us, you, you know where we've been. If you're new, if you've missed a couple weeks, we're using the phrase, the psalms help me know God's infinite love to remind us of the basic overarching categories of psalms. So we've looked at psalms of hymns praise. We've looked at messianic psalms, psalms that prophetically point to Jesus. Uh, Last week we looked at psalms of knowledge, growing in biblical wisdom. What is biblical wisdom? Um, And then this week we come to G, gratitude. So this is a topic that gratitude is not a new word. We've heard the word gratitude. We know we're supposed to be thankful. But let's really look at what biblical gratitude is, where it flows from, how we practice it, how we can help one another practice it. Uh, So, I'm really excited for today's message as we continue to set the foundation for studying this book. Before we dive in, please join me in prayer. Lord, uh, thank you. Thank you for voices to sing. Thank you for ears that can hear that sound. Thank you for a place to gather. And above all, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you have given to us. As we continue to worship through studying your word, through opening scripture, may you be glorified in this time. May we decrease, may you increase. Use your word to sharpen us, to cut away what needs to be cut away, to pierce where we need to be pierced. Paul wrote that he does not regret words that lead to repentance. So even if we hear something today that that cuts us and we need to repent, may we not regret the cutting. May we be grateful for the refining. Encourage those of us here who need to be encouraged. You are great and greatly to be praised. And in your greatness, you do what we are absolutely incapable of doing. And we ask that you would continue that for us this morning. Enable us to worship you with everything we have in this part. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so first, oh, who heard that kid say amen? That was wonderful. You guys aren't going to remember anything I just said. We're just going <laughs> to... No, I love. While we were worshiping, I was standing right in front of some kids, and I got to hear them singing as well. It is, it is a special, special thing to hear children's voices. Uh, so I'm very grateful for that in this church body. Um, every week, what we're doing, how we're starting it out, right? How do we recognize a psalm of gratitude? Well, gratitude kind of makes it easy for us. A lot of times, it will literally start by saying, "Let's give thanks." That's a big clue. But what you really frequently see in a psalm of gratitude is an introduction that often is let's give thanks or I give thanks or sometimes, and this is where, remember at the very start I said a lot of times you'll see some overlap in the psalms where you're like, wait, could this be this type of psalm? Could it be this type of psalm? And you'll see some kind of blending of the two. That's because a lot of psalms of gratitude will start with praise the Lord, bless the Lord. We give glory to the Lord, things like that. But then where you really see and what to look for as you're reading through the Psalms, look for a description of misery. Look for a description of pain or suffering following the introduction. And then from there, you'll see it flow into an appeal to God a call out to God, a cry out to God, a, hey, I'm in this low place, I'm in this valley, I'm feeling this negative thing, I'm experiencing this negative turmoil, so I cry out to God. And then you see the rescue. And very frequently with Psalms of Gratitude, this will be in past tense. So you'll see, you may see, I cried out to the Lord and he brought me through. I cried out to God and he delivered me. And then from there, You go back to the introduction, you wrap things up with a nice bow, you see a concluding testimony of, therefore, thus, because of, so then, I give thanks to the Lord. Therefore, I praise his name. Therefore, I am grateful for what he has done. And so you've got this introduction, opening line, here's the problem, misery, here's the appeal, here's the rescue, so here's the gratitude. And these psalms are wonderful reminders of God's faithfulness. They're wonderful reminders of how to process and respond to trials and tribulation and suffering and turmoil. In a few weeks, we're going to look at another type of psalm that also helps us with this, psalms of lament. But right now, we're looking at gratitude. Some of the most obvious examples that you may see as you come through or come across them, you have Psalm 30, Psalm 34, 92, 100, 107, 118, 136, and 138. Uh, We'll look at some of these in more depth. We'll use these as we continue to look at gratitude, because it's all fine and good to talk about gratitude. Okay, great. I mean, I'm guessing... Most of the adults in this room, you're not hearing the word gratitude or grateful for the first time. You're not wishing you brought a dictionary with you to like, what is this new foreign concept that he's introducing? No. But we have to understand gratitude. We have to understand biblical gratitude. We have to understand its place in our life, its primacy in our life. Its importance to our day-to-day existence how we process the world, how we respond to the world. So using these psalms of gratitude and using God's word as a whole, let's look at gratitude. And the first thing that we see that we have to understand is gratitude's not a suggestion. Gratitude is not optional for the Christian. Gratitude is also not situational for believers. And so we have to understand that gratitude is separate from the sheer emotion of happiness. Gratitude is a spirit. Gratitude is a decision. It's not just an emotional excitement. It's not, you know, hey, I'm at Six Flags. I'm riding a roller coaster. I'm emotionally happy right now. No, gratitude is an attitude. It's a spirit of choice. And it's not something that we can, you know what? I'm just not in a grateful season. No, we, we don't get to say that, or rather, we shouldn't. Ephesians five nineteen to twenty, and if you back up one verse, Ephesians five eighteen. What do we see in Ephesians five eighteen? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So believers are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and then this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is walking in step with the Holy Spirit, listening to His leading, following His teaching, living as He instructs us and, and commands us. So Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? Ephesians 5.19-20, to 20, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 4-6, to Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known, be made known to God. I love Philippians. It doesn't pretend like difficulties aren't going to pop up. It doesn't pretend like we're never going to need to make supplication to the Lord. We're going to need to ask God for things. It doesn't pretend like anxiety is never going to be a temptation. Panic, fear, doubt is never going to be a temptation. But Philippians, Philippians reminds us that in those things, we do not set aside thanksgiving. You need to make a request to God. You need to bring a plea to God. You need to make supplication of him. Do so. Do it with thanksgiving. You're worried, you're afraid, you need to pray, do so. Do it with thanksgiving, not apart from it. Colossians 2, 6-7, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Okay, so what does it mean to walk in Jesus? Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Not doling it out like meager scraps, not rationing it, abounding in Thanksgiving. This is rooted in Christ. This is walking in His way. Hebrews 12:28, "Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Believers, we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And what does the Bible say? Therefore, remember we've looked at this word therefore, therefore saying, hey, what's about to follow is based on what just came before. So therefore, we are to be thankful. Why? Because we have received an internal inheritance that cannot be shaken. So if the reason for our thankfulness is eternal and unshakable, then that tells me that like these other passages also say, my choice to be grateful, my spirit of gratitude should be unshakable because the reason for it is equally firm from the beginning of existence. Finally, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen to 19 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you. And then he goes on and he says, Don't quench the Spirit. Neglecting these things that just came before are a quenching of the Spirit. Go back to that first passage, Ephesians 5. Being filled with the Spirit is to be thankful. So when you look at the believer's life, you see that we are empowered for gratitude and we are called to gratitude. This isn't a, well, Monday I was grateful, so I need a rest day. I'm going to take Tuesday off, and then I'll pick up being grateful maybe on Thursday this week. No. This is a, hey, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So abound in gratitude. Walk like Jesus walked. Follow his way. Be rooted in him. Be thankful. Where does it flow from? I think Scripture, I think the Psalms of Gratitude lay out two very key places that, that gratitude flows from. The first thing I think that scripture lays out for us is that gratitude flows from humility. Consider Psalm 34, starting in verse 2. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What else do we see? Psalm 118, 5. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. You saw the same idea in Psalm 34 as well. This poor man cried, and the Lord delivered me. Who wrote Psalm 34? Take a guess. Play the odds. David. Good job. You got it right. David was king. If you're unfamiliar with how monarchy works, the king is not financially poor. David was not hurting for money. So when David says this poor man cried out, he's not talking about physical, fiscal bankruptcy. He's talking about grief. He's talking about emotional turmoil. He's talking about, he's talking about pain and anguish. So his response to it is, I cried out for help. Psalm 118, I cried out for help. I was, I was low. Guys, it, it takes humility to ask for help. We can't be grateful for receiving help if we don't ask for it. And we're not going to ask for it if we're too proud. How would you guys respond if I got up here and I was like, man, my back is killing me. Like, I'm just in pain. Well, Why? I tried to pick up and carry that couch by myself this morning. Well, What time did you do it? I don't know, like 10, 15? I mean, I know some of you guys, you'd be like, Dude, why didn't you come grab me? Like, I, I was here. Why didn't you say, hey, we need to move this. Come help me move this thing. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anybody ever go to the gym or see a gym on commercials or in a movie show or TV? You're familiar with the concept of a gym? What do you do when you're lifting weight? Bars too You get a spotter, right? You're doing bench presses. You're like, hey, come spot me. Why? So that if the bar gets too heavy, if you can't lift it up, if it's on your chest pushing down, you've got someone to bail you out. Imagine, imagine the folly of I'm at the gym. Okay, first let's imagine I'm at the gym. (laughs) Good, we can all use our imagination. I'm at the gym, I'm doing bench presses and I can't lift it back up and it's crushing my chest, it's pushing down. And you're there and you come over and you're like, hey, let me help you with this weight. And I'm like, no, no, it'd be, I'd be so embarrassed if my family found out. I'd be so ashamed if my friends, I mean, how will this look that I needed your help to get this bar up? That's just, my, my brother would never ask for help getting this bar up. You'd be like, don't be a dummy, man. Let me help you get this bar up. Are we willing to say to our friends and family, hey, the weight of life is crushing me right now. Hey, I'm hurting. Hey, I'm trying to lift something that I can't lift on my own. I need help. No, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I'm too proud to admit that I need this. Guys, it, it requires humility to ask for help. And we can't be grateful for help if we're unwilling to ask for it. It's one thing when we take that to the church relationship. And I do believe that that damages church relationship when we're unwilling to ask one another for help. It's entirely another thing when we're unwilling to go to the Lord and cry out for help. That's crippling. I've said this before. Anyone who's a parent, how would you feel if you found out your child was suffering and you could have done something about it? And you said, why didn't you come to me for help? And they said, I, I didn't think you cared. I didn't think you'd want to. I thought you'd be too busy. Imagine a loved one. Someone you, someone you would do anything for. A spouse, a sibling, a friend. And you found out they're hurting and they said, well, I, I didn't come to you because I, I didn't think you'd want to know. That would crush me. If Violet got older and was like, yeah, Dad, I I didn't tell you I needed help because I thought you wouldn't care, I'd be devastated. So it's one thing when we won't admit to our church family and friends we need help. It's entirely another thing if we're unwilling to go to God and say, Lord, I need you. I need help. I want to be grateful for the help you provide, but that means I have to be humble enough to ask for it. Psalm 138, 2 and 6 I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Aryan people won't bow down. If I'm going to bow down before God in his temple, that's got to be a place of humility. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. The proud, the arrogant, that's an obstacle. Gratitude flows from humility. You paid in the past month? Anybody get a paycheck in the past month? Yeah, probably, most likely. Did you call your boss up? Man, thank you. Thank you for the paycheck. I am so, I just, I checked my bank account. I saw that the direct deposit went through. Thank you so much. Who did that? I didn't do it. Why not? Because I earned it. I I deserve it. I put in the work. If I check my bank account and that deposit's not there, yeah, then I'm going to call my boss. But I put in the work. I'm owed this. This is reciprocal. All right. What's James 1, 16 and 17 say? Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There are other passages in the Bible that talk about what man has first given to God that God must repay him. Who is God in debt to? No, James reminds us that everything we have is a gift from a good Father. Father. I'm not saying I expect you to call your boss and say, thank you for my paycheck, because you did. You put the work in and you earned it. Newsflash, none of us earned our house. None of us earned the breath we're drawing right now. None of us earned a safe car ride here this morning. None of us earned the food that was on our table this morning. Everything is a good gift from God. That means we ought to be grateful for it. Gratitude flows from humility. Where else does gratitude flow from? Gratitude flows from perspective. Last week we looked at knowledge, the Psalms of knowledge, and how the Psalms of knowledge laid out that a key component of knowledge is not a short-term fixation, but a long-term eternal perspective. Gratitude flows from perspective. Consider Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may tarry for the night, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes with the morning. In the Bible, night and morning are used as a metaphor for what is short-term and what is permanent, what is eternal. Mourning is used as a biblical metaphor to remind us that everything apart from God and his kingdom and his purposes are temporary. Weeping may last for the night. You might go through a painful period. You might go through something devastating, something crippling. As we've looked at many times, remember we said, hey, raise your hand if you've had a totally easy, pain-free life and not a single hand has gone up? Yeah, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That eternal perspective. Consider also Psalm 92, 1-4, another psalm of gratitude. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. See, the psalmist in Psalm 92, he's focused on God's character, He's focused on God's goodness. And even in the night, even in the time of weeping, he's focused on God's faithfulness. His perspective is on the Lord. And because his perspective is on the Lord, he says it is good to give thanks because he's got the proper perspective. We had Violet, obviously. And we heard from everyone, just you wait for those sleepless nights. And y'all weren't lying. Those nights came and still sometimes come. And after a few of them, everybody's like, oh, yeah, right? Aren't those terrible? Like, those are rough. And I got thinking, I was like, do they have to be? Should they be? So I just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, make me glad. Make me grateful for the nights Violet wakes me up. And you know what's happened over the last year and a half? I pop out of bed with a smile on my face when I hear her cry in the middle of the night. Here's what I'm thankful for. At some point, I'm going to hold her and rock her to sleep for the last time. Mike, do you still rock Logan to sleep at night? (laughs) Every night. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, Logan. At some point, I'm going to rock Violet to sleep for the last time. So now, the first thing I say to her when I go in her room and I pick her up, hey, honey, thank you for another chance to hold you. I thank God. You know how much extra prayer I've gotten done in those times? Man, Lord, thank you for the time of extra prayer. I've said, Lord, thank you that my daughter is awake, not because of bombs falling, not because of gunfire, not because of famine, not because of cold, not because of heat. Thank you that she's awake because maybe she had a bad dream and not something terrible. Do you know how emotionally healthy it is for a child to cry for its parents when it's in need? Lord, thank you that my daughter knows that when she's in pain, if she cries out for mom and dad, we're there. Thank you for that. I'm not kidding. And I told some of the guys this morning, this, was, this has been in my notes. I was prepared to talk about this. And God was like, I'm going to give you a recent example." Violet got us out of bed four times last night and every time I had a smile on my face and I was like, man, Lord, thank you. Thank you for everything that this represents. It's a different perspective. Do I expect emotional happiness when you get a bad medical diagnosis? No. Those sting. Those hurt. Do I expect emotional happiness when financial tragedy strikes? when relational tragedy strikes? No, there's pain. Do I believe that God, the God of infinite goodness, do I believe that the Holy Spirit who indwells me, do I believe Jesus, whom I follow, can show me where gratitude can be found in those times? Absolutely. Do I believe that he calls me to search for that gratitude? Absolutely. Do I believe he calls me to practice that gratitude? Absolutely. So where's our perspective? There's a saying that we use, even not among church people. This is just a universal saying. Every cloud has a silver lining. Right? You heard that before? Yeah. I don't like that saying. What's it start with? Focusing on the cloud. What? Who cares? Yeah, there's pain, but I'm going to look for the gratitude. Yeah, there might be a cloud, but you know what? Anybody ever been doing yard work on a hot summer day and you're like, man, I wish there was a cloud in the sky? See, we love to look at the negative. In the summer, it's too hot. It's killing my lawn. Ugh, I hate the summer. I can't wait for the fall. Now it's the fall and it's starting to get cold and I got a rake oh, I can't wait for just all this this to be done, it to be nice snow. Then it's the winter and I hate the cold even more and I hate the ice and I hate the shoveling. I can't wait for it to be spring. Oh man, now my yard's going to drown because it's doing nothing but raining. I just want to get outside. I can't wait for the summer. Oh, that's right. I forgot how much I hate the heat. And we just look for what to complain about all year round. Now, oh, gratitude flows from perspective. Gratitude flows from eternal mindset from looking at the faithfulness of the Lord, from looking at His goodness, looking at His character, looking at His works, and seeing that those don't change, those don't shake. So where am I grateful even in the midst of the night? Maybe you are. Maybe you're in a night. Maybe you're in a night of weeping. Okay, what did the psalmist say? I'm grateful for your faithfulness. I'm grateful to look and see what you've done. I'm grateful that you're unchanging. Gratitude flows from perspective. And so I want to look at Psalm 107. Psalm 107, a wonderful psalm of gratitude. If you want to turn there, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 107. And Psalm 107 really demonstrates everything that we've just talked about. You see four groups of people in Psalm 107. We're going to look at each of the four of them. You see the clumping of their verses. So what do we look at? A psalm of gratitude. It's got the misery. It's got the appeal. It's got the rescue. And it's got the conclusion of gratitude. So look, verses six, four, six and 8, 10, 13, and 15, 17, 19, 21, 23, 28, and 31. You'll see these four groups of people. And we can see them go through every stage of this that we see in these Psalms. So listen to Psalm 107. will oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom has he redeemed from trouble? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom has he redeemed from trouble? And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Here's our first group of people. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Misery. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, appeal, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Rescue. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Second group. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Four groups of people. Four groups of people with deep, resounding reason to be grateful. Four groups of people with every reason to practice gratitude. So first and foremost, let's go to the very beginning of that psalm. Let the redeemed of the Lord give thanks. Who's redeemed? Believer, you're redeemed. If you're a believer, you have every reason for gratitude in that redemption that you could ever need. What else for believers? And if you're listening, you're joining us online, you're here today, you're not a believer, Jesus isn't your Lord, maybe you recognize yourself in one of the groups. Believers, maybe you recognize yourself in one of the groups. What was the first group of people? The weary soul. The burdened, tired, exhausted soul. Wandering through the desert. Just desperate for a city to rest in. Is that you? Or are you a testimony of a rejuvenated soul? Can you look back and see, oh, this is the night I was in. This is the desert I was in. This is the exhaustion I was in. God brought me through. If you're in the first camp and you still feel like that weary soul, friend, Jesus, there's the rest. He says, Come to me, you all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my burden upon you. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. Or if you've been brought through the desert, let that fuel your gratitude. Let that fuel your thankfulness. It's the second group of people. Prisoners. Do you feel stuck in a behavior you just can't shake off? I'm trapped in this cycle. There's no hope. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like it's got its hooks in me. I feel like it's got its chains around me. Are you a prisoner? Or are you a testimony of freedom? Can you look and say, man, I thought I was a slave to this. Jesus gave me freedom. Believers, we're told that we've been given freedom. Freedom. Freedom from death. Freedom from fear. Are you in the second group of people? There's reason for gratitude. What's the third group of people? Fools suffering because of their own iniquity. Are you reaping the consequences of your own action? Tasting your own medicine and it is bitter? I mean, are we willing to be honest and say, maybe I'm in this bad situation because of decisions I made? I know I've been there. I've looked and said, wow, who can I blame? Oh, shoot, myself. Are you in that second or that third group of people? Or are you a testimony of restoration and healing? Yeah, you know what? I did. I made bad choices. I burned bridges. I ruined relationships. I was wounded. And I can't deny that I had a part to blame in it. But Jesus brought me through it. He gave me restoration. He gave me healing. He taught me about forgiveness. Are you in that third group of people? Or are you in the fourth group of people? No, I'm not in the fourth group. i was talking about what? Sea merchants? Going out on the deep waters? No, you know who those people are? They're the people trying to find purpose and meaning in just the work of their own hands. If I just busy myself, if I just take on one more project, if I do one more thing, this will give me happiness. This will fulfill that longing inside of me. If I pour myself into this, this temporary thing, then my life will be complete. If I get that raise, I get that promotion, then life will make sense. And they just reel and stumble about it's not enough. Why? Why isn't it enough? Maybe I'll just work more. Maybe I'll do more. Then it'll be enough. Or are you a testimony of rescue from that exhaustion? Are you a testimony of rescue from that weight of feeling like you'll never measure up? It doesn't matter what you do, your parents will never be proud of you. It doesn't matter what you do, you'll never be good enough at work. It doesn't matter what you do. Your friends will never want to hang out with you. I mean, are you the person who has poured yourself into all this effort and it left you depleted and then you turned to the cross and found meaning? Are you that testimony? There's reason for gratitude. And if you're in any of those first camps... If you're the weary soul, if you're the prisoner feeling like you're stuck in a behavior you don't want to be, you're wandering in a desert desperate for rest, you're a fool suffering because of your own iniquities, you're wounded, you're wounded by friends, you're wounded by loved ones, and you feel like you're still there, please come talk to me afterwards. Please, find Mario, find one of the elders. Grab anybody. If you don't know who the elders are, grab the nearest person to you and say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. If it's not you, point me to somebody who I can talk to. Because I promise you, there's an answer to the first half of all of those problems. There's rescue that leads to gratitude. We can always find reasons to be grateful. The question is, and do I have a reason to be grateful? The question is, am I willing to focus on it? Am I willing to look for it? Am I willing to humble myself and cry out for help? Am I willing to orient my perspective on the holy things, on the right things? Am I willing to live in step with the Spirit? Am I willing to live like Jesus? Am I someone who will choose to be a person of gratitude? At the start, I said we're also going to talk about how we can help other people practice gratitude. Start asking your friends. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Cool. We go our separate ways. Hey, man, how you doing? Good. Yeah? What was one thing you were grateful for this week? What? Two weeks later, man, if I see Sam, he's going to ask me what I'm grateful for. I should start thinking about that. Two weeks later, hey, when I see Sam, I know what I'm going to tell him I'm grateful for. Two weeks later, hey, now I'm asking other people, what are you grateful for? Sharpen one another, help us practice gratitude. I'm even talking about simple things. Parents, whether you still have kids at home, whether or not anymore, think back to when you had one kid, two kid, three kid in the stroller, car seat, you're trying to juggle it all. Anybody ever grateful for that close parking spot as a young parent? Anybody with physical ailments ever grateful for that close parking spot? Amen. You know where I park at Kroger? Kroger on Lex Ave? I park by the gas station. Why? Because I've got healthy legs. I can walk. Why would I not express my gratitude for the physical capability to walk and leave those close spots for the young parents? Leave those close spots for the people with physical ailments? Help other people. Practice gratitude, even if they don't know it's you. So what if that mom pulls in with three kids and doesn't know that you're the reason she's grateful for that close parking spot? Who cares? All that happens is she's like, oh, I'm thankful for this spot. Ask each other about gratitude. Put each other in positions to express gratitude. What was everybody doing Thursday night? For most of us, hanging out at home. Maybe we were at something, but most of us hanging out at home. The worship team was here. They were practicing. They were putting in time. While we watched whatever sitcom is currently airing, they were here so that they could lead us in worship. Do you know how many light bulbs are in this building? Jeremy Wolford and Steve Thurber know. They're the guys who get the text, hey, light bulb's out. They're the guys who come in and change them. We just got through the winter. What time do most of us wake up to come to church in December? I don't know, 9:30, 9:45. If I want to push it. You know what time Jim Prosser and George Metz wake up? I don't know, but all I know is they're here at like six plowing. We're grateful to not slip on the parking lot. Do we tell the guys who put the work in? You don't have kids. When's the last time you thanked somebody in the kid's wing? Parents, do you pick your kid up or do you say, hey, thank you. Thank you for putting the time in to prep a lesson for my child. I mean, you are giving your time to invest in my child's holiness. That is no small thing. When's the last time you expressed gratitude to the kid's wing? We can always find people to be grateful for. You like using a clean bathroom? When's the last time you said thankful to Rebecca or thank you to Rebecca? Guys, look for it. I promise you, you're not going to come up short. I mean, if you really sat down and tried to list everything that you could be grateful for, I hope you carved out some time. Are we willing to be people who choose gratitude? So this week, as we consider these Psalms, these Psalms of thanks, thankfulness. Oh my goodness, let's start over. I said gratitude too many times. As we consider these thought, Oh no. Okay. As we consider these psalms of thanksgiving, let's read Deuteronomy 30. Let's read 1 Chronicles 29, 1-22. to Let's read Psalm 106. And let's read Isaiah 12. Four chapters, not even four chapters, three and a half chapters. Let's read these. Keep in mind what we talked about, these Psalms of gratitude, and read what else Scripture has to say about this. Prayer, apply the Acts model. How does it lead me to adore God, to praise God, to confess, to thank Him, to make requests of Him? And then for the practice, sometimes it's more theoretical. This week, we're going to get very literal, very specific. What holds you back from gratitude? If we're being honest, we all have times where we are not inclined towards gratitude. So what holds you back? I want to be grateful, but I get so busy. I just get so busy that I get distracted. Okay, distractedness. God, kill it. I mean, the Bible, that's the, that's the language the Bible used. The Bible says those who have been crucified with Christ and raised with him in newness of life, If you're a visual person and you wanna picture your busy distracting schedule crucified, okay, fine. What distracts you? Are you more focused on the problem? Are you more focused on the obstacle? God, kill it. Very simple prayer. And then, at the end of every day, I don't care if you think this is goofy, do it anyway. At the end of every day, write down five things you're grateful for that day push yourself. Do a new five things every day. If you're already someone inclined towards gratitude, write down ten things. Start to train our minds. Rewire the way that we think. Rewire the lens that we see through and look for the reasons to be grateful. Share them with somebody. Call your friend up and say, hey, what are you grateful for today? Here's what I'm grateful for today. And then pray together, just, Lord, thank you for all these things. Five things every day. I am grateful for this. It can be simple stuff. I had a great sandwich for lunch. I'm grateful for taste buds and food. It can be big stuff. Whatever it is, identify them, practice them, train ourselves, discipline ourselves to grow in gratitude. Because I promise you, we have every reason for it. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we are exceedingly grateful. Were we to sit down as a body and just take turns saying everything we're grateful for, we would be here a long time. And so we are grateful for that. We are grateful for redemption. We are grateful for Jesus. We are grateful for the resurrection. May it start there. Even on the hard days, even in those nights of weeping, remind us of redemption. Remind us of the empty tomb. Remind us of gratitude for that. We are grateful for adoption into your family. We are grateful for the work that you do to sanctify us and make us holier. We are grateful that you allow us a part in that. We are grateful for brothers and sisters in Christ. We are grateful for children who say amen. We are grateful for a building that is paid off. We are grateful for sun. We're grateful for vitamin D. We are grateful for lunches to go home to and homes to eat them in. Every good gift is from you and we are grateful for them all. And so in that gratitude, we ask that you would make us people who are exceedingly grateful. That we would be people who choose gratitude. In a hurting, self-centered, painful world, may they look at your bride and see gratitude. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.